0: Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project daily podcast. I'm so glad you've decided to join me today as we work together through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If you are here for the very first time today, then why not click on that subscribe button and make the decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily lives from here on in. And also if you're here for the very first time, then please stick around at the end and I'll tell you lots of ways you can connect with this ministry and access lots of other free teaching and resources. Anyway, that's it for now. I'll see you at the back end. And let's drop back into the main text, picking up today in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Hi friends, welcome back. We're covering off the section we've been looking at, True and False Prophets. And today I'm asking the question of how we make sure that God doesn't say, I never knew you. And we're picking up where we left off last time. And what we looked at last time was the portion where Jesus taught about how to recognise what he calls false prophets. But today we're going to think about what he says next about their future destination the destination of such people where they're heading to so let's look at the next verse where we left off last time verse 21 where jesus says this not everyone who says to me lord lord shall enter the king of heaven but he who does the will of my father in heaven now these false prophets we talked about last time they have a big problem here they're going to have a problem when they stand before God, because this verse says that not everyone that says to me, that says to God, or calls me, as it says in some translations, Lord, not everyone who does that shall enter the kingdom of God. The problem is, these guys are not going to get into heaven. And the reason they're not going into heaven is because they haven't spoken the real message of God. It's actually pointing out the fact that they're not believers. And at this point he says, They can't get into heaven because they haven't done the will of the Father. Now this verse gets misinterpreted and does confuse some people because when pulled out in isolation, it almost sounds like in order to get into heaven, you've got to do the will of the Father. And is that what it means? Does this suggest that in any way you have to work your way to heaven by doing all the good things that God says we should be doing? Because the will of the Father is for many things in our life. Let me try and explain this, but in order to start out, we're going to look for a second at the next verse, where it says, many will say to me in that day, or on that day, depending which translation you're reading, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? So the issue here is what these people are saying on what Jesus calls that day. You see, that day, the day he is referring to, is the day of judgment. And the issue here is with, on that day of judgment, the judgment mentioned in verse 21, is a day when God will say, not everyone that says to me or called me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. So on that day, when your internal destiny is at stake, which some call the great white throne judgment, On that day, the issue is, and the only issue will be, have you done the will of the Father? So immediately that raises the question is, what is the will of the Father being talked about here? You see, Father God has many desires for us, many wills for us. There is the will of Father God on how we should live our life if we want to be happily married. There is the will of the Father as to what we should do with their money. There is the will of our Father in heaven as what we should do with our time, our thoughts and our speech. But the question being asked here is what is the will of the Father in order to gain eternal life and have they done that? God has many plans and purposes on how we should live a faithful life but he has only one will as to how we should enter heaven. Only one way and one thing we can say in order to gain heaven. And it's really quite clear and easy when you look at it this way. Let me just read from you again from John 6:39, which I think very clearly states this for us. In that Jesus says, "'This is the will of the Father who sent me, "'and this is the will of him who sent me, "'that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him "'may have everlasting life, "'and I will raise him up on the last day.'" So what is the will of the Father here? It is for us to have everlasting life by believing in his Son, Jesus Christ. And that's what's clearly said in all these verses in this section. So here's my point. Matthew chapter 7, this closing section of and beginning of chapter 8, they deal with the issue of the Day of Judgment. And the issue is whether or not, or how, we gain access to the Kingdom of Heaven. And Jesus says... We will if we've obeyed the will of the Father, but these false prophets, they don't do that. They don't make the claim. Our only hope is that we may gain access by the truth of the gospel, but they have misused the gospel. Some of them, many of them, probably didn't really even believe that that was the only way to get to heaven and it was through the Son. which is why they're not being recognized at this point as believers. You see, to enter the kingdom of heaven, All you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and that salvation that he provided us is a gift of God by faith alone in Christ alone. It's trusting in Jesus Christ for the gift of eternal life. It's not doing something like these guys thought, it's about believing in someone. So let's drop back to the passage and let me point out exactly what the problem was in terms of their personal eternal destiny in terms of the eternal destiny of these false prophets now keep in mind it's the day of judgment being talked about that's the issue on that day and on that day what has been questioned is where are they going to spend eternity and listen carefully to what they're going to say as their criteria by which they believe they should gain access to heaven and they will say lord lord have we not prophesied in your name Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done wonders in your name? So look carefully and think for a minute. They're standing before God and the issue is, are they going to gain access to the kingdom of heaven? And their response to that is, look what I did. Get the picture? Their claim for entry into heaven is to look at the miraculous things they did. But they also say, I called you Lord. Isn't that interesting? You mean there are people out there who say Jesus is Lord and yet they don't really even know the Lord? Well, hello friends, hello, wake up and smell the coffee. The fact is that not everyone that uses the name of Christ actually knows Christ. So how do we know? I mean, if people are using the name of the Lord, how do we really know if Jesus is Lord of their life? Well again, the example is, we will know them by their fruits. And the fruits in this example is not what they do, it's what they say or what they teach or what they preach about Jesus. So the words we are looking for are the words that say that they believe in the fact that Jesus Christ saved them and they believe that it was that and that alone that made them right before God by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what God is looking for as a confirmation of a true follower of him. And that too is what we should be looking for. We need to hear people say, I'm saved by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. But these ones are not saying that. They're saying, look at what we've done. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. And on top of that, they did all these supposed wondrous works in his name, yes but they're using the name of Jesus, they're misusing the name of Jesus, rather than believing in the name of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? But doesn't that bring up questions in their mind? And the big one is, does that mean that unsaved people can do these sorts of things? People that don't know the Lord and say they've done these things, can they really do them? I mean, it sounds impressive. They look like what they're doing is wondrous, but that is not the thing that proves they're from God. I mean, it can sound impressive. It can look like they're doing wondrous things. Doesn't that prove that someone's from God if they're doing that sort of thing? Well, according to Jesus, not necessarily. It's great when those things happen and credit is given to God and people are pointed to Jesus Christ, God's son, as the only way to salvation through those miraculous things. But in isolation, they should never be used as a measure of whether someone is saved or not, or even whether someone is a true prophet of God or not. The only criteria, the only thing is if that they declare that Jesus is Lord and He is the only way in which we might be saved and gain eternal life. What Jesus is saying here is the only thing what God wants to hear on Judgment Day is to hear us, anyone, say that their salvation was by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. So again, can an unsaved person do miraculous things? Well, keep one metaphorical foot so to speak in Matthew chapter 7 for a moment we're going to come back to it and for a minute let's drop into chapter 10 and this is where Jesus is seen to call his 12 disciples chapter 10 verse 1 says and he called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease so that's all these wondrous works including casting out demons prophesying as mentioned here but look and see the list of people he's given the power to. Picking up in chapter verse 2. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So let me ask you that question again. Was Judas here able to do miraculous things? The passage says he gave 12 people that power and he names them all and Judas is amongst those he names. So from that, I think it's perfectly legitimate to come to conclusion that Judas also had and used those powers and other people who haven't surrendered their life over to Christ and trusted in him may also be doing that today. Now, I believe God always honours his word. And I do believe sometimes it is preached by people who don't even know the Lord themselves. But at one and the same time, people listening, sometimes many people, are saved by it. In fact, I believe that happens all the time. Because it is the gospel that saves people, not the man or the woman standing before us. Now I believe as many Bible experts do that this suggests that all the disciples were able to do these miraculous things, and they, they were able to do it because they did it in Jesus' name. So in other words God was still honored, as was the name of Christ, but not the people who speak it out, and that's important. So here's the point. Let's go back to Matthew chapter seven twenty two and it says these false prophets are standing before God, remember? They're at the judgment, they're standing before God and their eternal death. destiny is the issue that's been decided and here's what they say to God. Here's what they rely on as a way of justifying their faith life. They say, look what I've done. Then they list the things. Eh, uh-uh, wrong answer. And for them, it was the final answer. Because Jesus will then say to them, Verse 23, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus says the real issue is always going to be, did you trust in me? And if you didn't, then that means that you don't really know him. And so that he will say on the day of judgment, I never knew you. Depart from me. So again, it's not what you know or what you do. It's who you know. And that is never more true than when you get to stand at the pearly gate, so to speak. Okay, I'm just going to pause for a moment and go back to these false prophets. God says, I'll let you into my eternal presence if you've trusted in my son. Now, so we have one group of people being talked about here who in one hand are appearing at the judgment and saying, look what we did. We cast out demons, we did miracles. And on the other side of these false prophets who've just rocked up on judgments play are another group of people who are talked about elsewhere in the Bible which we'll unpack in more details on other occasions. But we're also aware there's another group of people who are going to stand before God and said, look at all the religious stuff I've done. I read my Bible every day. I went to church every Sunday. Because of that, let me into heaven, God. Well, this is this passage, this famous sermon has been preaching that everyone like that is in the same boat, the people who follow a Pharisaic religious system and those who misuse the word of God and are in fact false prophets. You see the only answer, the only thing that will get anyone into heaven and the answer to that question is why should he let you in if you like. The only answer that you can have to that is I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything but because Jesus Christ died for me and rose from the dead and I've trusted in him for the gift of eternal life and I'm thankfully willing to receive that as a gift of your grace then and only then will we be welcomed into eternity. And what I'm asking you today, but only because Jesus is asking you it here, is have you done that? Do you know him? Have you trusted in him? Because that's the only way you're ever going to make it through the pearly gates. It's not what you've done, it's who you know. Okay, let's just wrap up these false prophets and what we need to know about it. You need to know who the false prophets are. In this occasion, we're being given the insights on how to recognize them. And we need to know that today because there's a lot of fake religion being peddled in the world today. And Jesus is saying in this passage, beware of false prophets who look like true prophets, who may speak like true prophets, who may even do things that true prophets do. They might even do miraculous things, but the litmus test of whether someone is truly from God is a true prophet is not the miracles but it's what they say and does what they say accurately convey the message of God as determined by the word of God the issue is not what they've done but did they tell you or show you accurately what is in this book the bible that's the issue and there is no more fundamental issue than that or will there ever be The way, the only way to have eternal life is by trusting in Jesus Christ. And the test of anyone who comes in his name is not their wardrobe, it's not with what they wear. Even wearing a clerical collar doesn't mean that someone necessarily represents God. Outward appearance in everything proves absolutely nothing. It can look like a duck, it can waddle like a duck, it can even quack like a duck, but if it's not giving you the message of God, in the word of God, it's a decoy and it's not a duck. So everything, always, in everything Jesus has taught so far is saying these things have nothing to do with outward appearance. The plumb line of the prophet of any man of God is not what he appears to do, it's not his works, it's his words. So look at the words that come out of their mouth check and be careful because they may sound scriptural but you've got to test you've got to probe and see and you've got to think does this meet the criteria of a true prophet of God or are they a decoy are they a deception so it's not whether or not they're performing supernatural works the test of a true prophet is whether they speak scripturally accurate words but in order to apply that test, you yourself have got to know the scriptures. You've got to get to know the word. You've got to know this book, the Bible, because, well, let me tell you, there's a lot of deceivers out there in the world today, particularly on the internet. In fact, the internet is making these things worse than they've ever been. We've got to be careful. And the only solution to identifying true from false, true religion from false religion is you've got to know this book, and there are no shortcuts to that. And sadly today, a lot of Christians don't spend time or the effort to get to know the book, which means they become vulnerable to deception. But hopefully by making the decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your everyday life, by one way is following along with this podcast, then you will become less vulnerable to deception. You see today, people in society generally follow what they feel they believe their senses so if something looks like a duck waddles like a duck quakes like a duck they believe it is indeed a duck but that's not always so when it comes to the christian life in the christian world if an animal looks like a sheep and sounds like a sheep and appears to be covered in wool it might be a sheep but we are warned by jesus himself that it is not always necessary so it might even be a wolf disguised as a sheep so Jesus is saying beware of false prophets now of course this is mainly dealing with the issue of false prophets but a portion of this an application of this applies in a wider sense about what we need to know for sure that we're going to heaven and I'd like to just try and take a closing minute to try and nail that down for everyone who's listening to this now i don't normally do this in these podcasts but today because of what we've been talking about it feels to me like the right thing to do so i'd like to ask each and every one of you who are listening to this a question do you know for sure that you're going to heaven now if you do that's wonderful but if you don't it means you've never trusted christ and if that's the case then i'd like to invite you to do that I'd like to invite you to pray if you've never trusted in Christ before and thereby receive the gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life and a guarantee in heaven. And here's what I'd like to do. I'd just like you to pray and I'd like you to say to God, maybe along with me now, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. You don't have to list all your sins. God knows them already. Just say, admit you are a sinner and then say, I believe Jesus died for me, and I want to trust in him for my salvation. Now don't pray that or say that if you don't believe it, but if you do, then pray it and say it. If before today you didn't know for sure that you were going to heaven, then by doing that, by believing that, and by saying that to God sincerely, you are telling God right now you're trusting in Christ. Now, if you've done that for the very first time today, I'm going to ask you to do just one more thing. Tell someone, tell someone else what you did today. Find a Christian, if you have a Christian friend, or if you don't know, find a church in your area that preaches the Bible and tell someone that this week, this day, I told God I wanted to trust in Jesus Christ. Now, if you can't do that, then just drop a message on the podcast Facebook page and I'll try and link you in locally with someone who can help support you on that amazing journey. A journey you've embarked on today, the day you asked God to forgive you for your sins and you were trusting in Jesus Christ for that salvation. But don't forget to tell someone what God has done for you this day. Okay, folks, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I do hope you find that a helpful little section dealing with some really challenging issues, doesn't it? Quick reminder that there are many, many ways in which you can connect with this ministry and access additional teaching. The main way is through the episode notes page, which is found on the podcast host website, which is the Bibleproject.buzzsprout.com in that you'll find an episode notes page which will not only give you a transcript of each and every one of these talks but lots of links to ways in which you can connect with this ministry and further teaching places like the podcast facebook page the uh, youtube channel my linkedin page and patreon accounts And all the resources I make available are freely given without copyright in the public domain for you to use in whatever way you want. And I trust God will bless you in the use of them. And I'd just like to say a special thank you to each and every one of you who have decided to come along this amazing journey together with me over the next months and years. And I do hope you'll stay and remain committed to stay on track with that. And if that's the case, I do trust I'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.